What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. The main takeaway for this episode is instead of selling to all your email subscribers, segment your users by behavior. Have they done anything in your products since signing up? Or have they completed all your onboarding steps? And are they more likely to buy? Your likelihood of reactivating dormant users increases tenfold with relevant personalized product steps. Hey everyone, this is part three of three on our marketing email audits. Uh, whether you're in-house or you're consulting and you want to offer email audits as a service, our hope is that you can level up your email game. In the last two episodes, we covered research tips and questions that you should be asking before the audit, and we also covered the actual audit, what to look for in the welcome email and the confirmation email. In today's episode, we'll cover what email improvements to suggest and experiment with when you're handing in your email audit, and we're going to take a nice deep dive in behavior your triggered emails. Yeah, this is this is a great topic, right? You're deep into the user's world now. If you've done your audit in the last two steps uh, or t last two episodes that we covered, if you've done your audit, audit right, you're fully into the customer's uh, uh, shoes, understanding their pay pain points. And I think this is this is what behavior triggered emails find their uh, find their stride. Yeah, like I, I think a lot about the onboarding flows, like there's a bunch of different ways of like having different streams of users, right? Like we can talk a bit about later about like vertical segmentation streams to basically extend way more targeted content to folks. Um, like some of the one of the examples we were using in the past two episodes was ConvertKit as kind of like one of our, our example use cases for this. One thing that I think of when it comes to really moving the needle on engagement and the effectiveness of your onboarding emails is to segment everyone based on activity mm -hmm. so most people will have their onboarding emails set up by like time triggers so um, when it comes to reactivating users from a b2c perspective and b2b like you don't always have to be super different um, b2c calls these emails kind of like abandoned cart emails right like uh, they don't have to be treated completely differently in, in SaaS b2b but it's it's super easy to do some of those emails wrong when you're trying to reactivate dormant users users, right? Yeah, time-based triggers is, I mean, there's a graduated curve for your email automation, right? You start, you know, you start by just sending out uh, like a welcome com confirmation email. You have a, a verified action, so you send out send out a response based on that. As you get more sophisticated, you have the opportunity to send out these time-based. But really, when you start thinking about the, the, the nirvana point here, it is this behavior-based and looking into reactivating dormant users. If you're in the SaaS in the SaaS world, whether you have a freemium product or a paid product, you have people who come in, kick the tires, um, and then our job on marketing is to get those people back, right? Get them back into the product experience. Um, so it's a very interesting topic. Yeah, there's so many of these folks that are signing up for your product that are doing exactly that, like just kicking the tires on it, right? Like not not a ton of intent behind it. Like they're not necessarily like ready to buy right away. And so like by day three or four of your onboarding sequence, it makes total sense to sell to some of those people, but probably not everyone and only users that have actually done something in your product, right? 50 to like 70% of free users that sign up for any type of SaaS product online 
are totally just kicking the tires on it and they're trying a bunch of different options at the same time right mm -hmm. we call these kind of like dormant or inactive users they sign up really fast and the majority of them just kind of never leave and you don't see them again Oh yeah, burner emails, right? I have a few burner emails that I use, or you uh, use a plus sign in Gmail uh, to be able to get, you know, e sign up for a product. This is why we see Gmails used so extensively in the SaaS world, and these non-personal emails because people are just playing around and and kicking the tires. But yeah, amongst this group of inactive users, there's there's still like some folks that um, would convert, and and the approach needs to be a lot more creative and, and helpful for those. Folks. Folks, like instead of we talked about like selling too early to some of those folks, instead of sending them the same discount email, um, being creative and trying to delight these inactive users, the angle should rather be on like showcasing similar customers that have done uh, similar things. And um, yeah, just like reinforcing some of that stuff instead of just like ad nauseum sending them the same oh. discount offer. Oh, it's brutal. And the, the issue that I take with, with this is you don't know because the email is messy, right? You're having this mixture of corporate and personal emails being used to sign up for these SaaS products. And you just mindlessly and endlessly send people this stream of emails because that's your mandate. Uh, email marketing is still a branding tool. Subject lines and impressions matter. Um, so be very considerate of your users as you're trying to reactivate them. Like at some point, like, like I get this all the time now in, in, in my sale or like from outbound salespeople coming at me and, and they're like, you know, oh, we missed you. Like I'm missing out on some huge opportunity. I don't feel like I'm missing out on an opportunity because I was never looking for your service in the, in, the, in the first place. And when it comes to reactivating dormant users, at some point you have to switch switch your mindset in your email marketing from, yeah, get back into the product uh, versus like a branded experience tangent though like i think there's there's a sweet spot right if you said kind of three to four days like i'd say by day seven your 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 core user base of people who are going to activate or not activate uh that that die is kind of cast so you do have a short window to to use these types of emails um, and I know like with behavior based, you can actually kind of listen and um, in ops land, if you have the signals to pull in this data, this is this is where the, the rubber meets the road. Mm -hmm, totally. So you've definitely looked under the hood of a bunch of different companies, nurturing systems, and, and you've run a bunch of these audits. So like what percentage would you say like most of these like nurturing sequences that you've looked into were like predominantly time-based right like something happens wait x amount of days wait a week or two send them this email like most of them aren't outcome driven right yeah i would i would say that and i would say also like it depends on the use case right a lot of the nurture work that i've done in my past has been very focused on that classic b2b you know marketing lead gen hey download this report move people over to uh move people over to the sales ready stage and that for time base totally makes sense right like you're not on a you're not on a behavioral uh, uh, goals. Instead, you're, you're just trying to build up a value over time to, mm -hmm. to make this work. When it comes to SaaS companies, though, the most successful trial nurtures that I've seen or automated sequences that I've seen 
are those that use behavior and and very lightly introduce these behavior-based emails um, and understand the customer, right? Like you can imagine that you have so many branches and forks in the road that users will take, especially if you have a big product that has multiple different use cases. Um, by driving these behavior-based, you're actually segmenting based on people's use case. You're, you're getting closer to personalization, which is what what we want to do, one-to-one communication as much as possible. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So outcome-driven, trigger-based emails instead of just time-based sequences. And these are email content based on like what users have done or not done in your product, just like you just said. So like um, one of the approaches that I've I've implemented uh, a few of these trigger-based behavior email programs, and they can get really hairy really quickly, um, depending on like how many um, like onboarding checklist items you have, right? Like we talked about Um, some of the common conversion actions or moments of delight that lead to your product. And the whole point of these is instead on like day one or two pushing to buy, like we're pushing folks to start adding their subscribers if they're starting out with ConvertKit, right? And then after that, it's creating a form and then connecting the form to your site uh, instead of just like bombarding folks with uh, a discount offer and like create your first draft kind of on day one. So here's how I've approached um, implementing this as kind of an experiment in in email audits. So I I would suggest like obviously always starting small in in your experimentation and building out um, a proof of concept, at least like doing it on like a smaller cohort or uh, a smaller set of uh, ideas. So I would suggest starting with like three lists. So I have this kind of like discover list, getting started list, and an upgrade list. So we're splitting up users that sign up for your product in three different buckets based on their intent and where they are in kind of like trying out your product. Most series kind of push users quickly past step of discovery and getting started and are just all about hammering step three in as many emails as possible. But the discover stage is really like um, figuring out how to get users to their first unit of value. So for ConvertKit, that was like importing users from MailChimp or or the other tool, right? Like it's it's that first quick win. And if we don't see users doing that, like right off the bat, um, we can assume that like they're going to go down the the kind of inactive route and they're likely tire kickers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think having these delight moments, like you really, you really want to have this story. And I find that's missing in a lot of these cases where you go in and and you're thinking, okay, I want people, like you talk to the UX team and they're like, they, we need people to click these buttons. And that's not, that's not a story. That's a, that's a set of actions. The story is the value that translates from, from the features into the benefits that the customers experience. Mm -hmm. So next, next stage, uh, after they've kind of like gotten their first unit of value, is uh, getting started. So this is where folks are kind of in the middle of their onboarding checklist, right? Like you've put together these common conversion actions as there are these moments of delights. And um, the stage, this stage is all about convincing users that the product is uh, the ideal solution and pushes them to like complete the rest of the onboarding steps. Um, and this is where like email and kind of these bite-sized uh, type of uh, content pieces can drive stickiness of the product and are kind of introducing this 
this like habit forming principle. So if you're like a convert kit, you're introducing this idea of like the dashboard when you're logging in, like mm -hmm. you can see new subscribers coming in, you got your integrations page, you can monitor like how many events came in and, and stuff like that. So over time, this section can kind of grow with a bunch of different um, other emails. But yeah, the goal is just like getting folks from their first unit of value to experiencing like the, the full value of the product before we even start pitching anything. Yeah, and I think like the habit forming is so important, right? Like any SaaS co company right now has been studying the playbooks, you know, rolled out by companies like Facebook on user retention and monthly active users. Um, you know, there's controversy around that in the attention economy. I'm I'm a little bit of a, a grouch when it comes to this type of thing, but the truth is, is that this is this is how you uh, your your product will succeed. Uh, and, and it's a and it's a handshake between, and it's a, a I'd say it's a a partnership with your product team, right? What are the habits? What are the the value points that you have in your product? What gets people coming back? Um, and then using email marketing to nudge people, you know, it's a communication channel. So use it to bring people back. And finally, our last list is folks that like have done stuff in your product that um, have kind of like demonstrated to you that they are open to like trying paid features or you can start nudging them towards upgrading and, and getting to see like the benefits and features of, of doing that. Most companies will just like focus on getting folks to that list, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about the first list is like first unit of value. The second list is like just trying out the product, like actually doing stuff in it. And then you can push folks to upgrade. And there's a bunch of different ways of actually doing this in, in your product. But um, regardless of what email automation tool you're using, um, there's lists in your tool, like whether they're called smart lists or dynamic lists. Um, basically, they're updating as soon as someone completes something in your product. So for ConvertKit, like you can go as fancy as having like five lists, like looking at all the common conversion actions that you want folks to do in your product. So you can have like a sign up list. This is just folks that have signed up for your product. An imported subscriber list. This is folks that have signed up for your product, but they've also imported their subscriber from MailChimp. And then the third list is they've created a form, blah, 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 right? So you basically have mm -hmm. these lists in your automation system that are updated in the background and they're basically live and they're telling you who has done specific things in the onboarding process so far. So this is useful and I'm using lists here and uh, I'll let you like interject in a sec, but like basically in, in the workflow that we're doing in the emails, we, instead of like waiting 15 minutes and then sending like an email to get them to create a form, I'm waiting 15 minutes to see what they've done in the product. And I'm checking mm -hmm. to see if they've created a form. So if they have created a form, they're on our third list and I'm going to know that they've created a form. So I'm going to push them to like connecting that form to their site if they haven't done that yet. So using lists, I'm able to see, okay, at this step, wait a second, check to see what list they've, they're on to see what they've done and then send the right appropriate email based on that. You could probably sense that I was sitting up even even more straight in my desk um, <laughs> or my chair. Oh, I don't sit in my desk. I sit on my chair. Um, so like the, the first thing that comes to mind and I'm thinking, I'm sure some listeners are thinking this as well is 
well, what if I don't have this freaking data, right? Like this data doesn't just magically appear into your, you know, customer IO or Marketo or HubSpot. And I think that this is a, this is actually a salient point we should spend a minute on. And um, a lot of when we talked about like marketing onboarding and email marketing onboarding and auditing, I think one of the components that you do need to audit is what data signals do you have in in the database. Mm-hmm. And there's really two ways that this can swing, right? Like if in the example here, we're talking about a SaaS company. So I would suspect you have a lot of software developers. Somebody on the development team um, would be able to help you configure an event from your your product and send it over to your automation system. Right, and maybe it's as basic as using a Zapier. Maybe it's an uploaded list. Like you, you can get this data in in somehow. Um, but recognizing what you need in the system is super important. And like I said, there's two ways that you can go. I'd say there's like the right path, and then there's the the wrong path. And I have a bit of a story about the wrong path. But the right path is what you've described here, right? Discrete lists, discrete behaviors, mapping to segmentations within your database that can then uh, populate and then be used for for behavioral based uh, triggers. That's it's awesome. Um, from my past, everybody likes the the fun stories of of fails. So in my past, I know we went the other way, completely the other way on um, importing data. Everything came, it was an event that was triggered into 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 the database, and it was Marketo at the time, and we slowed Marketo down to like a crawl. And I laugh because years <laughs> later, I went off and did consulting work, and I worked with you know. Marketo databases that 10, 20 times the size of the database that I managed in Marketo, and they were all faster instances. I'm like, why the, why the heck are they so they so fast and, and mine so slow? Anyways, it turns out that sending lots of data information into Marketo is not a, the way we were doing it at least was not the best thing. Uh, tangent aside, what we did at the time, which was a total fail, was we said every action results in points, right? And take it like combining behavioral based uh, moments in the product with scoring events on your mm-hmm. marketing automation. So things that we called it the trial score. And we, we had like four segments on the trial scores based on like the t- different areas in the product that you could use. And then what I would do is I'd send out regular updates to people and I'd say, hey, your trial scores increased to this. And then I had like a dashboard where I benchmarked everybody and I said, you're in the top 10% of users. Well, and it turned out like all kinds of fail moments happened because it was all URL based. And I had one that was was looking at like a more technical part of the product. And I think, oh man, like, you know, we were selling a, t- a technical product at the time. So I figured any tech head who's deep into this product is is doing good things. Well, it turned out I was actually capturing and scoring errors on the system. <laughs> so all these errors like bubbled up and people were like, I don't have this trial score of like 10,000. I'm not the 1% of all trial users. Like. I'm in a deep slog of of your error logs right now. Um, anyways, where did that the heck did that come from? I don't know. I've had a lot of coffee today, um, but I want to I want to recenter back on this. Is that you know, as a listener, if you're thinking I don't have this information, this is a great to do list. Um, this is where marketing operations and email marketing uh, join forces, and this is how a lot of people, I think, Phil, you you included, moved from email marketing into the operation space. So there's a career moment here for people. Yeah, that's a great point, man. I, I take that for granted often. Like I've, I've gotten to work for, for cool companies that have a really strong dev team and a product team and, and have some of this stuff set up like from, from day one. And I realize that this is definitely not the case for, for everyone. So there is for sure an opportunity here to, to get a sense of like what data is available, like what, what event tools the company is using. And like, like you mentioned, like there's, there's like simple approaches to this. If you don't have a 
ton of dev help, right? Like using Google Tag Manager and just adding a couple of scripts, like even in your product, if, if the dev team is, is open to that, if you guys are like super early stage, right? Um, but yeah, like this is uh, definitely a journey if you, if you don't have any type of integration with your product and your automation tool. Um, tools like Segment, I've used them in, in the past, like make this a breeze to, to kind of connect the, the dev team and the marketing team and push like data from across mm -hmm. the funnel um, throughout your different tools. So mm -hmm. Segment definitely enables you to do that. And, and like some of the examples I was walking you through is using Customer IO. They have an, a native yeah. integration with Segment. So in the past, like we we have our product like hooked up with Segment and Segment sends events to Customer IO the second that someone um, like signs up or imports subscribers or creates a form or whatnot. Yeah, and I think like that modern tech stack definitely I find is the rule, not the exception. I find most most shops are already set up by the time you get there on the off chance that they're not. Uh, I'll, I'll throw one tip out there and we can jump back into the flow. Sorry to interrupt you on, on your flow on this one on a bit of a tangent, but like the idea of building value and building a use case, right? If you have a resistant dev team on, you know, why would I send this information into into such and such a platform? Um, but I don't think most dev teams are like that, but if you feel like you need to build value, you're using a service like Mixpanel or Amplitude, like go download a list of people who've done the behavior that you think is important, right? Phil mentioned a few uh, behaviors like using ConvertKit as example, like, hey, they created a form. Okay, go to Mixpanel, find out everybody who's created a form, download that list, upload it into your into your uh, platform, your your HubSpot or customer IO or whatever. And there you go, you have, you have some validation around, okay, does this, like, do these people actually in my, you know, automation system, do they actually look and look like customers or people are about to convert? What if I were to do this daily for a week and see if this were to result in a high open rate or a click rate or something like that? Like you can be very creative in building, building a use a case around this. Yeah, totally. There's, there's definitely like a, a journey to that and it doesn't have to be done kind of like right off the bat. Like if you're a new marketer joining a company and you're logging into HubSpot and you're like, what the hell? Like I, this isn't connected to the product. I can't see this. And you go to the dev team and you demand that like this product integration happens next month. Like bad news, man. Like you're, you're going to have to do a lot of work to, to get yeah. to be able to demand that project. And um, maybe like something that we can kind of segue into here is uh, maybe something potentially a bit easier to, to pull together as um, an improvement or a suggestion in, in your email audit and related to like behavior-based segmentation. This is a bit easier in segmenting by vertical or segmenting by use case. And I mean easier because you don't have to get that data via API or custom scripts in your product and connecting that to your email tool. This is where connecting your form on your site or your sign-up form uh, is, is connected to your email tool. So whether you're asking folks after they've signed up for the product like who they are what they're trying to do or if you're asking them that on like the the sign up form there's a bunch of different places that you can do this but you can create segmented journeys for the users that are signing up for your product and you can guide them to relevant personalized product based on what they're trying to do in the product right so like, mm -hmm. the, the behavior based stuff is important for getting folks to like moments of delight and I would argue that it's still like a, a crucial point of any uh, 
uh, sort of onboarding sequencing, you should still do this in the vertical if you have the data. But if you don't, like for ConvertKit, for example, like they're basically asking in the onboarding process if people are artists, athletes, marketers, or like YouTubers and streamers. And mm-hmm. people in those four buckets have much different jobs to be done. And so instead of like sending the current onboarding series to, to everyone in, in your kind of audit and suggestion, um, you can get really deep into like those segments of users and um, figure out like someone trying to sign up for a newsletter to get their photography classes has different onboarding tasks than an athlete who's trying to connect to their fans. Yeah, like that's pretty much uh, the suggestion here. Like in, in order to get users to a series of moments of delight, like there's a ton of value and potential in personalizing the messages based on their jobs to be done or their vertical segment. Yeah, and I love I love this because like I think you know, as MarTech people, and I think there's two ways you can swing as a MarTech person, right? You could be more in the operational land, like that execution, hey, okay, we got to send this email out. Okay, how do I implement a segmented, you know, nurture stream or whatever? And then there's the other component, which is, you know, deeply understanding your customers. I think the best MarTech people do both, right? They're able to do both and straddle. And the key here, in my opinion, is the fact that you're tracking your segmentation. You you say, okay, I know who my four key segments are. I know my persona so well that when I ask for, you know, information on the form, I'm laser focused on the information I need to provide an, an enhanced experience for people. And even if you don't have that, like, you know, intermediate level data signals in your, in your, in your uh, automation system, you can still do a heck of a lot when you know somebody's segmentation, right? And if you understand the personalized journey, like your product team, you, you guys should know, like if you're a convert kit, what's the difference between a YouTuber coming in and a, a digital marketer coming in? Probably significant, right? Um, and I think having that there, you can, you can really get um, a lot of value, even out of t- time-based triggers. I love it. Um, yeah, I think like graduating to it is a great point there. Like if you know that there's like really four good personas in, in your customers, um, like you don't have to start off with four as you're kind of like launching this uh, email onboarding experience and you're doing mm-hmm. four vertical segmentations and there's uh, like a series of seven emails in those four streams, like you're creating 28 to 30 different emails. Oh, yeah. like start small in, in your experimentation, like uh, find the, the vertical that you're most familiar with maybe like maybe you're selling to marketers and you're a marketer so um get in there and like carve out the content for that and prove it out for vertical like check out the conversion rates on it like when we'll have an episode built out on like how to launch experiments but like prove out that like one vertical stream is improving some of your metrics mm-hmm. and then you have buy-in to like get more resources to help you create other vertical streams as you're kind of like um yeah getting into it this is kind of like a low-key skill uh, that the best marketers I've worked with have, which is not over-engineering solutions before they've validated the approach. And what mm-hmm. I mean by this is, like, you, you do you think personalizing uh, your emails based on four different segments is valuable? Maybe you have an internal argument and you say, no, it's actually 12 segments. Okay, well, you have a five-email sequence. That's, you know, t- 12, that's 60 emails that you're going to have to write. You're going to write 60 emails before you even know if this is going to generate value let's not do that and say we did let's instead start a segment one segment pull pull them out as you suggested wait for three weeks while you work on other stuff come back look at the results hey did this work or not work did it perform better than the baseline and make a decision based off that then you start to justify your your work so crawl walk run 
Exactly. Boom. That's it, folks. You survived our three-part email audit series. Uh, we'd love to hear from you if you found it valuable, if you audit emails, and if you're planning on starting to do that. Uh, JT, why don't you hit us up with our uh, top three takeaways from the past yeah. three episodes? Yeah, I always love talking to you, Phil, about email marketing. Your your mind on email marketing is so is so in depth. It's, it's super cool. So, top three takeaways from the past three episodes. Uh, first up, users have ideal paths to discovering your product or service. So, deeply understand these moments and use email to guide people down this path gently. Uh, striking, uh, creating creating a partnership with your your product and and UX team. Number two, strike a balance between beautiful HTML design and just sneaking past. Uh, spam filters by not overloading your users too early and sticking to a small amount of links and images in your emails to ensure deliverability. Um, yeah, don't sell too early, people. N number three, instead of selling to all of your uh, email subscribers, segment users based on behavior. This is the an awesome moment for you to connect with people uh, at their pain points and provide valid solutions to them. And, and your chances here of reactivating dormant users increases tenfold when you personalized your product steps. So, boom. Phil, thanks for walking us through this uh, three-part three series. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Good times. Catch you guys soon.